This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase. You're listening to the Fantrax Podcast Network. Fantasy Sports Entertainment lives here. Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast presented by the Fantrax Podcast Network. Tonight we have a very special episode. There is no moderation. (laughs) There is no vanilla. It is good versus evil. (laughs) It is just me and Nick Ligatino. Just the two of us. We can can make it if we try. <laughs> nice. Just like the old days. Yep. All right. So we're going to show off some news and notes. And the big news Elvis Andrus, DL, fractured elbow out six to eight weeks. This news broke late last week. So it's more like five to seven. Who do you target as a replacement? And are you trying to buy from the Andrus owner? And is this the reason why Joe is not on the podcast? <laughs> Could be. Um, definitely a coincidence. Uh, but no, I'm not trying to buy Elvis. I was uh, uh, Elvis Andrews. I was never really uh, interested in the first place, to be honest. Um, I just don't think that he holds enough juice in any category to go after. Um, and as far as replacements, Orlando Arcia is a guy that we're going to speak about later in the show, but I have him as my first guy. Right now, he's only 41% owned. And last year, he paced out for 2020. He's just off to a bad start. So buy now and hope that he breaks out soon because I, the talent is there with him. I don't know if you like him as well, but he's definitely a guy that's on my radar uh, that I'm watching. Uh, yeah, I think he's kind of vanilla, but we'll get to him later. Okay. Uh, I also I think Eduardo Escobar is serviceable. Uh, he has a pretty low percentage ownership. And last but not least, uh, Jose Peraza. Um, he won't hurt you in any particular category. He'll give you the batting average. He gets on base. He'll give you some steals. Nothing amazing. Doesn't really have pop, but uh, try to. Try, I think the guys you want to target are Escobar and Arcia. Yeah, broken record on me. Um, Marcus Simeon, thirty-nine percent. Yes, should score runs. Provide you with the power. Uh, Tim Beckham's off to a tough start, but tough, tough. Well, yeah, it's bad. Tough, but that's why he's available. Yeah, and. I mean, he's in a good ballpark. That lineup is rough, but it's not as bad as it's been. Um, so they should be able to turn it around. I like Escobar as well. He's on my list. Um, the Twins are actually playing games. So, I mean, you actually get to like get his stats as opposed to a constant zero from being postponed. Um, and Oledmus Diaz, 9%. He's got four bombs and a steal. Troy Tolowitzki's in the junkyard. And, you know, maybe we were on the wrong Cardinal turned Blue Jay. Maybe it was Oledmus Diaz we should have been talking about instead of Randall Grichuk. Why do I feel like I hear the name Oledmus Diaz at least three times a week? Well, that's this is this is the second time I'm bringing him up. All right. So it was me twice. I don't know who else you were talking about, but Oledmus Diaz. But. And as far as with Andrus, I mean, you know, 
I don't mind specking, but you need to be careful not to overpay. Pre-draft, Andrus was like a top 70 asset. I wouldn't offer more than a top 150 guy for him right now, considering the missed time. I think that a good player to throw out there for him might be Eduardo Nunez. Um, Dustin Pedroia is going to be back. Nunez is going to move to a strict utility type role at that time, barring another injury. Um, Bogarts as well coming back. Um, you know, I, I, and I think that that will lend itself to Nunez being like a four or five day a week player. And you should get out from under him before that happens. And I think this is a pretty good opportunity to grab Andrus, put him on the DL. And, you know, there are, grab a guy like Escobar who has similar eligibility and ride him until Andrus comes back. If you're an Andrus owner and you want to part ways, do you feel like the line is kind of Angelton Simmons or would that be too pricey? Um, when I take Angelton Simmons for Elvis, you know, it's a really tough question for me to answer because I don't have any Andrews shares. Um, and I didn't value him as high as the market did. I think if you took him at his price, you're probably not looking to trade him. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I think you're grabbing one of the guys we talked about and riding it out until he comes back. Um, I don't think I would advise selling him for a player like Angelton Simmons, who's kind of got a sort of middling upside. Mm. Okay, Josh Donaldson, another injury, DL, shoulder inflammation, no timetable for his return, um, and that's current as of today. What do you think are some replacements for him, and are you trying to buy Donaldson? Uh, yeah, I mean, trying to buy Donaldson, but not for much. Uh, we could t we'll get into – who is the line in a little bit after we talk about who the pickups are. But guys that I have at third base, Jed Jerko just got back from the DL. He's definitely worth a look. Um, he's not going to get every day at bats, but when he does, it, he'll be serviceable as you know, he did the same thing last year when he got the at bats, he uh, made him worthwhile. So he's definitely a guy that I've got my eye on. Colin Moran looks great in Pittsburgh. Um, the guy is getting on base a ton. He's hitting for good average. He's got some pop. I don't think we've seen him, uh, really explode yet the way he I, th I think he can as far as power goes but i think as the year goes on we'll see him progress as far as that goes yeah miguel, i think the swing looks really good on it him. does look really good uh and miguel andor he just started hitting as well he's getting hot he started off pretty slow but the talent's there he's getting he's getting reps now at third base and if he could hold on to that job he could be really really interesting on this yankee lineup yeah moran and andor on my list um i would throw on jan jervis salarte who's at 51%, and we're going to discuss Christian Villanueva later. Um, he's at 47%. Um, but Donaldson, offensively, he was pretty much fine. The K rate was a little elevated, but not alarming. He had three bombs and even a steal. Um, the issue is the defense. I'm, I'm not that concerned. I could absolutely buy Donaldson. I mean, like, I would throw out names like Sano, Moose, Gallo, plus a sweetener, you know, like a hot starting pitcher or um, a reliever or a bat. Um, trying to think of some names. Well, um, Sano was the guy that I had that I wanted to ask. So 
Um, if you're if you're the Donaldson owner, I'm guessing you're not taking Sano, right? No, I'm not. But I think that if you are the Sano owner, this is the type of deal yeah. that you should seek out. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Um, okay, next we've got Kevin Kiermaier to the DL with a thumb injury. He's going to be out eight to twelve weeks. A devastating blow. Um, we're going to talk about Malik Smith later, but who are some potential replacements for Kiermaier outside of Malik's? Oh God, and we're never. Are we finally off Kevin Kiermaier as a pre-draft sleeper breakout candidate? Isn't he just a late round flyer as of next year? We're never going to get this year from Kiermaier. It's just never going to happen. Um, yeah, I think going forward, he's going to be either undraftable or post like 20 ish round. Um, I would probably still take him if he's coming into the year healthy uh, around that area, around the 20th round, because we, you know, we know the potential, the upside is there, but he just cannot stay healthy. It's just ridiculous. Uh, guys I'm trying to play, replace him with right now. Uh, Delano De Shields is coming back. He's making a rehab start this uh, Thursday and Friday. So he should be back over the weekend. He's definitely a guy that should be owned. And right now his uh, percentage ownership is really low, but he, he has a guy who could hit you 10 plus home runs and steal in a full season, 40 plus bases and same team. Shinsu Chu, he's been just destroying the ball. And I know you are always high on Chu and the OBP is really good. The guy gets on base. He's a smart hitter. He is, but older, he is somewhat injury prone, but as of right now, he's crushing it. And he's only 44% owned. I think he'd be a really, really nice replacement. Yeah, Chu is definitely on my list. Dexter Fowler is another one if you need the runs. Um, Michael Brantley is low-owned and healthy. Uh, Michael Taylor, if you need the speed. Uh, Frenchie Cordero, I think, is very interesting in deeper leagues, although there was a report today that Manny Margot might be back by this weekend. And you don't know what that playing time situation is going to shake out as thereafter. Um, and as far as Giermeyer goes, I mean, this is my, this is the last straw for me. He can't stay healthy. He's inconsistent offensively. He's a dart throw at the draft table next year. Nothing more than an upside sleeper. Um, I would not take him until post like 225 next year because it just seems to me that there's just, we haven't seen it for a full year from him in terms of – not even we haven't seen it for a full year from him. He, he's, he's been hurt time and time again. And then when even when he's played, he hasn't been consistent enough offensively that I would buy him, um, you know, as this great breakout candidate. He might just be, uh, you know, an inconsistent offensive player, a streak player, and, I mean – I don't know how great that Tampa situation is going to get over the course of the next few years. So um, it's not like there's like an attractive situation to kind of like boost his value up. Okay. Joey Lucchese. This is the guy that everybody is talking about. 21 and two thirds innings pitched 25 Ks, 1.66 ERA, 0.97 whip. Is Lucchese an emerging rookie or just a flash in the pan? Oh, my dog is so excited about Joey Okay, well, I'll go first while you settle your dog down. And then you can 
then you can give your take. Uh, I'm disappointed that Joe isn't on the podcast tonight to confirm that Joey Lucchese is exhibit A when it comes to my excellent scouting prowess. Last summer, I was scrounging in our dynasty league for a minor league pickup, and I found Lucchese. Um, He was old for his levels. He had a funky delivery, but it it was combined with good command and control. And he also had a velocity spike. Um, the velocity has not kept, but everything else we have seen, you know, it was pretty much par for the course from last year. Some have screamed that he's a prime regression candidate. You know, the delivery is unique, and that's the reason the line is wait till the league gets a second look. Well, I mean, it could be. It's not like we haven't seen that before. You do have to expect some regression here. Um, he's not going to put up these numbers, but let me tell you why I think that position is incorrect. It is not just about the swings and misses with Lucchese. Um, and he's getting plenty of them. And I do expect that those will start to dry up. He's not going to be a pitcher with a, you know, 10 K per nine type upside. He's more of an eight, eight and a half type guy. Um, but what he does have is a really nice contact management profile. And I'll be it's small sample size, but he's giving up just 5.3% pull percentage on his fly balls. Everything in the air is the center or oppo. And if that keeps up, he's going to be able to suppress the homers. Um, so, I mean, if you can find somebody going nuts, trade him. But I think he could be a useful asset. I think he could be like a 3.75 ERA type with, like I said, about 8, 8.5K per 9, which is going to be useful. Um. All right. So here are my thoughts on Lucchese. First of all, you're you're right. The the command is really nice, and that's probably the first thing I look at when I see a, you know, a young kid come up because you don't have to worry about control issues. Um, you know, command and control issues. The breaking stuff is great, and he looks awesome so far. But not only is the velo like not good averaging out at 90 miles per hour but without a third pitch and the low velo don't you think that's going to catch up with him like really soon i just don't like like his stuff is good but it's not good enough to coast off of two pitches and one of them being a 90 mile per hour fastball so my thoughts on lucchese are the complete opposite of yours where you kind of did say all right yeah he could regress i'm saying that he is definitely going to um, and well, I, yeah, he's definitely going to regress. He's not going to have a sub two ERA. No, but the question is how far is he going to fall? He's going to regress in a major way is my point. And right now, if I am the Lucchese owner, I am out there selling, selling, selling like crazy, like crazy. Well, give me an example of who you would sell him for. Uh, and, and, and this is where, and this is the thing. So there are some people who are really hot on Lucchese right now. And some people who are like, all right, we need to see more. And value-wise, the guy that I'm thinking of right now is Alex Wood. I think that you could put together something. If you have Lucchese, you could put together something where you package Lucchese and a reliever, Lucchese, or a someone who's maybe a, a decent offensive player on your team. But as far as one-for-one trade... I would trade Lucchese for Corbin right now from the Lucchese owner. 
All right, let's go um, a little lower because I don't think anybody that owns Corbin is trading him for Lucchese. Let me see if I can come up with some names here. Okay. Um, like Hendricks is off to a bad start. Would, would you do it for? Would you do it for Roark? No, but we're we're getting there. Would you do it for? Chase Anderson. No, definitely not. Would you do it for... Um, <laughs> J-Hap. <laughs> I would do it for J-Hap. I would do it for John Gray. Um, Miles Mikolas. That's a good name right now to throw out. Um, I, would pr I would do it... I would... Uh, Lucchese looks like one of the more younger, really promising players in baseball. So I feel like the value more. But personally, in a vacuum, I'd rather have Mikolas. I think I've got like the perfect name. This is probably the guy you should try and get. I have two names. Danny Duffy and Michael Fulmer. Definitely not Fulmer. I, I wouldn't do it for either of those guys. Okay. All right, yeah, I would definitely do it for Duffy, and I would think really strongly about it for Fulmer. In fact, I, I'll say I'll do, I would do it for Fulmer. See, I, I think you could shop him for guys like Arietta right now. I think you're a little too high, but, I mean, you know, you start a little high, and then you come back to where I'm talking. All right, so let's, uh, let's talk about some safe situations. Um, Hader, Josh Hader, Milwaukee has gotten a couple of saves, and they've been multi-inning saves. Um, Madsen stole a save on Monday, but he blew up tonight. Oh, God. In a big him. way. Bud Norris has converted a handful, including a multi-inning. Uh, Greg Holland worked a clean inning on Monday, but yesterday came in and walked the world again. And then Keenan Middleton converted three straight over four days this weekend. So what are your thoughts on these situations, Nick? Well, Hater is the new Andrew Miller. If not yep, better. Hader is completely a must-own. He's a must-own. Regardless own. of whether he has saves or not. He's he's absolutely lights out, and he's making people look stupid at the plate. Like, absolutely stupid. Joey Votto. I mean, just watch some of the highlights. People are just, like, <laughs> shaking their head. Like, what just what just flew at me this way? Like, I know just, he's a stud reliever, but they they owe it to themselves, especially that team. To give him a look in the rotation before the year is out, I, I think they have to do it. They have to because he's he's way it's way too promising. It really is, but I mean to have him as this guy that comes in and is able to, to give them long reliefs like on multiple nights a week. Oh, like it's definitely got the value, but you can always go back to that, in my opinion. I mean, you can, but like, is it really that much more useful? Like. In real life, in fantasy, of course it is. But in real life, like if he's he he's already right now going to get at least what seven innings a week, maybe no, I would say minimum probably mm. minimum five. But he's getting five plus innings a week anyway, out of long relief relief, holding leads. <laughs> yeah, I mean you're right, he is. Um, but I, it's just the the upside as a 
the upside as a starting pitcher, I think, is too great for them not to give it a longer look at some point this season. But, I mean, you know, we're splitting hairs here. Hater is going to have value. Like, he's going to have value. It's just a matter of whether or not he's going to be, you know, that Andrew Miller uh, elite inning source or he's going to be, um, you know, a – I mean, right now, if he was a starting pitcher, he was going into the rotation tomorrow. Oh or would God. you rank him among starting pitchers? I would put him like. Oof. Would you put I him mean, top 35? Yes, without a doubt. Okay, top 30. Yes. Top 25. Yes. Top 20. Uh, this is where I'm looking. I mean, listen. If I'd probably I, put him somewhere between 30 and 35 as a starting pitcher. Okay. Just okay. because we don't know what that looks like at the major league level. If you are the hater owner right now and the Andrew Miller owner offers you Andrew Miller, are you taking it? No, because there's no point in doing that. So, so all right. So here's my question is in a vacuum, who would you rather have? Right now, I think I'd rather have hater. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think that Hader has surpassed Andrew Miller as like that sort of elite relief option. I think that's I think I feel comfortable saying that at this point. Yeah, me too. Um, uh, anything else? No, uh, Bud Norris is definitely a guy to hold on to. We we own both of these guys, um, but so I've watched a lot of Hader. I'm sure that you've watched Norris. What do, what's your take on Norris? Because I think. I think he could be money if he holds on to this job. High K rate guy. For him, I think it's going to be all about health. Um, he was really good last year until his knee started bothering him. And then he kind of fell apart at the end of the year. Um, I think he's got some leash now. He's converted a couple of saves. Holland has not looked good at all. So Holland's far away from that job. Leon had his chance, blew it. Um, Jordan Hicks has looked good, but... He's young. They're motivated to keep him cheap, and he's he's like a baby. So I can't imagine somebody is going to come up and take that job right away. I think he's got at least a few more weeks, and if he's mostly clean over that time, I think he's going to take the job outright, and you don't have to worry about Holland anymore. Um, that I mean, that's just my opinion. I, and I don't know that Holland is ever going to get it together. I think he looks like a complete disaster. I don't know if you've watched Craig Holland at all, but he's. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's still early. It's still... oh yeah, it's such a small sample. You're right, but, and of course that goes with everything we say tonight, guys. I just want to lay that out yeah. there. You know, instead of us repeating small sample, small sample, small sample, you you have to take everything that we say with a grain of salt because it is a small sample. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about the national situation, Nick? I know you've been watching that one. Um, well, I think I think Ryan Madsen just screwed himself out of being like uh, that guy that could come in and get a save every now and then. Um, but yeah, it's Doolittle is going to is going to be fine the rest of the way. That he just got it was mostly a, a rest thing. He pitched back to back days that Madsen did get the save, so uh, there's no question that he's the guy there. Yeah, I think Doolittle is definitely the guy. I don't know that Madsen has completely screwed himself. I mean, it's one it's one bad outing. He's a guy that has a track record. He's saved a couple of games already this year. 
I don't know that one blow up is going to take him from being the um, the Doolittle handcuff. I, I still expect him to get a few to get quite a few save opportunities. You know, one of the higher totals for a guy that's not the guy. Um, you know, the blow up stinks, but it, it is what it is. Um, Doolittle is obviously the guy until he gets hurt. Uh, and, and, you know, I've watched a lot of Keenan Middleton. He's gotten the job done. He's got some leash now. He's not outstanding. He's a quality reliever, but I, I think he's a ride the streak guy. I, I think that job is going to go back and forth quite a few times, to be honest. Um, so I would ride the streak and then once he's out, cut him loose. All right. And last but not least, oh, actually we have two more items. Uh, Jose Batista signed with the Braves. It's going to play third base, and he's heading to extended spring training. What do you think of this? Ah, uh, just when I thought I was that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, listen, how could you not be watching this? I mean, how could you not be watching it? But listen, Jose Batista isn't coming off of one bad year. He's coming off of back-to-back bad years. Um. And last year he played. He got a 686 plate appearances last last uh, 600 plate 686 plate appearances. So there is no excuse. He played a full season and then some uh, to figure it out. And he didn't. He batted 203 last year with a 308 OBP. Uh, he had a poor season. The strikeout rate has gone up. The walk rate has gone down. And that's like what we've seen when when players like reach their peak and and uh, start coming down. This is what happens. They start swinging and missing, trying to make adjustments. And it just messes with their approach. So I'm watching him. Maybe the Braves could work some voodoo magic. They've been really good with hitters so far. We've seen guys like Dansby, Dansby Swanson, Enziarte, um, Ozzy Albies, obviously, and Freddie Freeman take huge leaps in their careers. So maybe there could be some rejuvenation from from Batista. We've also we also seen it with Matt Kemp, who was really productive in, in, in Atlanta. So I'm I'm watching him. Yeah, I'm I'm watching him too from a distance. I mean, I doubt we see him until a month from now because it's going to take a while for him to get revved up. Um, I don't know that he's going to be able to handle third base. But, you know, I mean, it, it, if he gets up, it's not like they've got, you know, some kind of asset that's blocking him at this point. He's going to get the opportunity and – He's not so far removed from being a productive player that you could see the power come back and him have a nice year where he's hitting, you know, presumably in like the four hole behind Freddie Freeman, which is a really nice spot. Yeah. And the last news item, something that broke today, Rich Hill to the DL with a cracked fingernail. <laughs> You cannot make yeah. it up when it comes to the Rich Hill injuries. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> All right. We're going to move to our next segment. This is going to be fair or foul. So each of us is going to make a statement, and the other person is going to tell us whether it is fair or foul, whether they agree or disagree. Nick, make your statement. Charlie Martin will take you to Candy Mountain. And he will not take your kidney. Agree or disagree? I don't know what this means. 
Well, you never saw the Charlie? Come on, Charlie. No, I didn't. And I don't think that there's a lot of people that have seen it. Wow. All right. Everyone go watch so, Candy Mountain Charlie. Just go Okay. Watch Candy Mountain, Mountain Charlie. All right. So can you put it in English, please? Okay. Charlie Mountain. Charlie Morton is going to win you a championship this year, basically. Okay. Well, that I'm on board with. I agree with. Uh, you know, Charlie Morton was a hyped up pitcher coming into draft season. Um, but he seemed as though his draft stock just kind of got capped right around the 40th starting pitcher. Uh, and I think he's going to turn a value for a lot of people, even at that price. Um, the question is going to be health. You know, can he stay healthy for most of the season? Um, he's got absolutely filthy stuff. He's been very, very good since he had the velo uptick. And he was particularly good in the second half last year where he sort of learned how to use his mix properly. It carried over into the playoffs. It's carrying over into this season. Um, he's a ground ball pitcher with a very, very good defense behind him. Uh, I think Charlie Morton is outstanding. It's a, it's a good pick. Um, and I think that, you know, people that drafted him have got to be feeling pretty good. Um, what do you see out of Charlie Morton that makes you say this? Well, I totally missed the boat on draft day. I had him ranked way higher than his ADP, and some butthead in our league went and took him like crazy high. Just killed me. Him and Tayon, I'm just like sick over. But um, right now he's a man possessed. He's throwing three different pitches with a 20% plus swinging strike rate. So if you for some reason are skeptical Ooh. that the K per nine is going to go down. Um, go look at the stats because that'll change your mind. He did it last year at the end of the year. The swing and miss is just is awesome. The one that you can rely on him right now is, is the K's. Will the um, the ERA go up? Sure, it will. But I just I just think this is the year where he turns it all in and and is going to just be absolutely unstoppable. Because when you pair that swinging strike rate with his ground ball rate. The ERA is just not going to be over three and a half. Like, it's just not. And where I project it to be is like 2.50. That is really good when you look at his K rate because at the end of the season, you're talking about 220 ish Ks, a 2.50 ERA, a 1.10 ish whip, really strong ratios. Um, everything yeah, you have to. I think you have to bring the K total down because you because have of to the innings, the innings. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, like, you you're like what's down. your like what's your what's Absolutely. your realistic best case for his innings total? Uh, for innings total, one ninety five. Yeah. See, I would have him closer to like one seventy five. Okay. Um, um but, but you know, there's no denying the talent at this point. And yeah, and as we spoke about before, the the, the Astro Voodoo Magic. There's definitely something going on there right now with the pitching. They're getting the most out of everybody they bring in. So I'm a believer, and uh, I think Morton's going to be just absolutely ridiculous this year. Best pitcher on the team. Ooh, uh, Cole, uh, Cole. <laughs> and Verlander? Mm. You think he's going to be better than Verlander? And Verlander. Right. <laughs> okay, he's going to be the third best third. pitcher. <laughs> All right. My first statement. The Todd father is back. Todd Frazier is looking great, and he is going to be easily 
a top 100 fantasy asset. Wow, top 100. <laughs> yep. Um. Yeah, I am gonna disagree. Fair or foul? foul. So you're saying foul? Okay. Foul. Tell me why. Foul. Uh, first of all, I like Frazier, and he does look great this year, 100. percent There's no denying it. The Mets look great. Um, the offense is clicking. The, the, the they're, they're just looking good all together. The problem I have with Frazier is this. Well, not that it's a problem, but in his career, he's an extremely streaky player. Um, last year in, in in the Yankees, he was really bad for like four months out of the season, and he was decent for the other three um, or two. Um, Frazier's swing is just too all over the place for me, and he's the kind of guy that when he's hitting good, he looks amazing, and when he's struggling, he looks terrible. He's got a lot of that Carlos Gomez-esque type of thing going on with him. Um, I love the – the real-life player, Todd Frazier, but fantasy-wise, I would try and sell him now. I don't think – he's the kind of guy where his value, no matter what he does, if he could go off like for the next – a whole other month, the value still won't go up enough because of the batting average of, in the past and uh, people are weary of, of those slumps. But like I said, I'm just not a believer. I think he comes back to earth very soon. But I still love the Todd father. You know, I had said it pre-draft that I thought Frazier was being an undervalued asset. Um, and all you really need to do is just look at his historical finishes uh, versus last year. And last year was really the first time that he wasn't a productive fantasy player since, um, you know, very early in his career. I don't know about that. He, well, he was a, easily a top 100 asset three of the last four years. Well, the year before last, he it was a top forty asset. Was he? He batted like two twenty. It didn't matter. He was a top. I think he was like a top forty five player that year because of the power and the speed. Because oh, he hit forty. Yeah, he hit forty home runs. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I mean, to me, the outlier was last year, uh, and in the early part of the season, he's looked great. Um, the numbers. Again, small sample size, but backs him up, backs backs him up. Although he's still hitting the ball in the air, he's hitting a lot more line drives and avoiding the pop ups in, early in the season. I'm wondering if there's been some sort of like slight tinkering with the swing to change the path to lessen the pop ups. Um, he's pulling the ball at a 59% clip and has a hard contact rate of over 40%. He's kept. The walk rate, in fact, it's higher than it was last year, which was a career high. It's up around 20% right now, and that's right right around where his strikeout rate is. Um, so, I mean, I'm starting to think that Frazier might return to the type of player he was during his Reds days when batting average wasn't as much of a concern. Um, you know, it was never great, but, I mean, you know, like the 230s would be considered a low as opposed to, you know, a sort of middle ground for him. Um, you know, I, I think he could be a 30 homer, 10 to 15 steal bat um, and potentially avoid the batting average woes that have sort of um, sucked him down the last few years. And Nick, you're right. He has always been a streaky player. Um, he's a player that goes through peaks and valleys. But the investment was very minimal at the start of the year. And you can't deny the guy's track record. I mean, he's 
like I said, three to four years, he's been easily a top 100 asset. So really all this is is just a return to form as opposed to some sort of, um, you know, late stage breakthrough or renaissance where he's been down for like four or five years. That's not the case. And he was treated like that pre-draft and it didn't make a lot of sense to me. And, you know, now the people that bought in are, are cashing in. So, all right. So uh, since you're not a believer, who do you think you would sell him for? Frazier right now? Yeah. Ugh. It's, t- it's tough to gauge his value because, like, what was his ADP on draft day? It was, like, 250. That's what I'm saying. And, like, he's been, he's been really good this year, but he hasn't been great. He's been a better real-life player because he's gotten clutch hits. I mean, he's only got two home runs and a steal, and he's batting 283. Um, so I just – that question is tough because it's you still – you're not looking at guys that are like top 150 guys. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying, though, is is that who would you sell him for? Um, throw a name at me. I'm trying to think offhand. I mean, it's a – Frazier's tough. Uh, Would you sell him for? Um, would I would I sell him for Christian Villanueva? That's an interesting question. Yeah, that's sort of a challenge I, trade, though. It's just two guys that have gotten off to good starts that nobody really saw coming. Right, so someone who's slumping a bit. Um, uh, Eugenio Suarez, let's say, is in well, the he's hurt. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's on the DL. Um, I'd probably do that. I would. I would. I would trade. I would trade Frazier for him. Okay. For Suarez. Yeah, I don't know that I would do that, but I, I actually I don't think I would do that because I consider them kind of similar assets at this point with what I'm expecting from them. Um. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Let's give you. Let's give the people your second statement. Ian Hap stinks. <laughs> Fair or foul? I'm going to say foul. I, I don't agree with this. Uh, he got off to a real rough start with the contact, and he's still striking out too much. Um, but he's gotten a little better contact-wise since he came out of the gate with 10Ks and 15 at-bats. He's still got a ways to go, but I still like the talent. I liked the talent before the year began. And I think he's going to get there eventually. So, I mean, basically what I'm saying is, is that I'm in on Ian Happ as a, as a buy low candidate. Um, all right. So every year there's a spring training hero that turns into a regular season zero. And Ian Happ gets the award this year for being that guy. Um, 47% K rate. He looks completely lost. And right now he is in jeopardy of being sent down. So. If you drafted him and you wanted him really high, I mean, you wanted him in like what the fifth, sixth round in our league, right? Well, with forty-eight players off the board, yeah. Okay, so we're yeah, but still, that's high um, because you're talking about taking him over a, a lot of really good players out there, um, and in a lot of leagues, he went very high. We did some mocks, and we were in the, the in our podcast league. He went very high, uh, and those players are that you're stuck with him. I don't know what you what kind of value he has as far as trades go, you're not getting anything for Hap right now. 
people are looking no, at you're not. Yeah, people are looking at that key rate and are just like, no, stay away. Um, so the bottom line is this: my opinion on Hap this year, which is what's important, is that I don't think he turns out to do anything this year. I think he does go down to triple uh, AAA soon. The Cubs are a contending team, and to have a guy like this who is getting on base, his OBP right now is two sixty four. He's got a two oh four batting average with a three sixty four Babbitt. Um all signs point to this just getting worse. And having watched him multiple times, I just don't feel confident that he is going to somehow bounce back and turn in a productive season. So uh unfortunately you are asked out if you took Ian Happy. Would you Try to acquire him for – if you were the Joe Panic owner, would you trade Joe Panic for Ian Hatton? Oh, yes. Okay. But this is purely based on upside, and Joe Panic is a waiver wire guy. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, okay, let's go a little higher. Would you trade Scooter Jeanette? No. Would I trade him for him? No. Would I trade Colin Moran for him? No. What about Josh Harrison, who you like? I know Josh he went on the Harrison, DL just recently, but yeah, DL'd. Um, it depends on my team comp if I could afford the risk. In a vacuum, I like Harrison the rest of the way, without a doubt. Um, I could, I could like the rest of the way guarantee you that Harrison's going to have a higher rank at the end of the season because he's just really safe and he's going to score a ton of runs. Whereas if if Hap does get sent down, which I think it's going to happen very soon. Um, Baez has been really good this year, and they've got a lot of good players in that team. Someone else, and Zobris has been like amazing. So if one of those guys steps into that leadoff spot, even when Hap does make his way back up, are they going to trust him right away to put him in that spot again and put all that pressure on him again? I think when they bring him back, they're going to ease him in, and they're going to do what they originally wanted to do, which is make him a utility player, play him here and there, and and stick to the original plan. Okay, well, I I think your concerns are valid. I mean, he has struggled now for a prolonged period of time. He's young enough that they can send him down and let him get right and hope that he sort of, um, you know, this is the Met fan in me, but pulls the Michael Conforto from a couple of years ago where – you know, came out, was promising, struggled, went down, and then came back up and really found his stroke. Um, that's that's a possibility. They have a lot of depth. Um, but at the same time, I don't know that they have a player that they trust in center that um, they're going to be willing to put there on a full-time basis. I know they have Albert Almora, um, but they don't – Fielder. Yes, but I don't think that they trust him to hit against righties. Um, so, and we know what Javier Baez. I think we know what Javier Baez is at this point um, because he's got an extensive major league sample, and it's a lot more flash with the bat than it is actual substance. So. I'm not I, – I, I think your points are valid. I just 
I, I believed in him, you know, three weeks ago. And the Cubs were very excited about him. And I've just seen this movie where guy comes out, guy strikes out a bunch. Everyone gets concerned. And there was nothing really to worry about in the first place. It was just you witnessed his absolute worst, you know, 50, 60 at-bats for the entire season. Um, and I'm, I'm willing to hold on Hap, and I'm also willing to buy. But the buying has to come at a steep discount at this point. You've got to take a discount because the floor is very low. I have a question for you. Sure. Here's a good one. Sure. The recently DL'd Rich Hill. Would you, the Hap fan, who, ha- who was going to take him in the sixth round in our 40-keeper league draft, would you tr- offer Rich Hill for Ian Happ right now? And like, would you make that deal? Hmm. It's an interesting combination. It is interesting. I think I would rather have Hill, but it's definitely it's definitely the sort of match <laughs> that I think that people are that people would have to go for. I mean, it's it's sort of a challenge trade. Hill hasn't gotten off to a great start. He's always hurt, blah, blah, blah. And Hap has that. They both sort of have that zero floor. You do um, know that in like two weeks or, or in three weeks when Hill comes back, he's we're going to get a report. Rich Hill re-cracks the fingernail. He's going to crack a different fingernail. And on and on. The oh, yeah. This is, this, is, <laughs> this is what you get. It's the fingernails all year. We're going to hear about it. Fucking the guy needs a manicure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna make a statement about Hap's teammate. I am concerned about Jose Quintana. Mm. Fair or foul? Foul ball. <laughs> All right, tell me why. Well, listen, I if listen. This is definitely concerning what he's done so far. The walk rate, the K rate, everything. Wait, is. wait a second. You said foul, and then you just said it's concerning. What he's done so far is there is a red flag. There is a red flag. But I am I am saying this right now that it is completely because of one weather and two, it's still Early, 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 early in the season. Um, Quintana's too good a player. He's going to figure it out. Um, I'm guessing you're going to bring up the velo being down and a bunch of other things, but the bottom line is he's one of the smarter pitchers in baseball. He's has excellent command. Um, last year, he had a 5.22 ERA in March and April. Keep that in mind. He also had a 5.91 ERA in May. But after that, he figured it out. He was money the rest of the way. Um, so I'm willing to bet on Quintana. He's one of my favorite pitches in baseball. And he's a uh, a guy that starts off a lot of, a lot of years with, with, with slow starts. So I'm, I'm buying Quintana. I'm, I'm already – Joe, our, our friend who took off tonight because he had to go God, do God knows what, I'm making him offers at the wazoo for Quintana right now. Well, oh, Joe had to go 
you know, hold a candlelight vigil for Elvis Andrews. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, I, and I, I do know that that start, uh, against the Braves was in extremely difficult conditions, but, and, and you sort of poo poo me on the velocity, but the velocity is a pretty big deal for Quintana because he's really pretty much a two pitch guy. Um, so you've got the fastball and you've got the curve and if the fastball is down around 90, I mean, you're poo-pooing Joey Lucchese for being a lefty that throws 90 and uh, has two pitches. You, Quintana throws a bunch of pitches. And no, he doesn't. His changeup is bad, and he doesn't throw it that much. But he was pitching in, like, 10 degrees weather with snow the other day. Yes, I understand that, and I get that, and I can appreciate that. But he's also got another start where he didn't really – Generate any swings and misses. He didn't Where really was generate any Ks. Against Milwaukee? I think it was his first start of the year, no? All right, his first start. Okay, it was his first okay. start of the year. So, all so right. wait, wait, this is the wait, sample that we have, right? Wait, 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 wait. All right, so the last start was in a friggin' blizzard, right? The last start was in a blizzard, He he, and the, the first start was his first start of the season. So, come on. The second okay. start was once good again, Once he again, had, once again, we only have the samples. We only have the sample that we have, right? Like, like this is yes. the, this is what we have to go off of. Yes. So we can sit here and see what we've seen, and look at what we've got, and give our opinions. Okay. And I'm just saying, from what I've seen with my eyes, <laughs> my eyes aren't great. That's why I have glasses, but. <laughs> What I've seen with my eyes, I do not I, – I am concerned about Jose Quintana. I worry about the velocity. I worry about the command, and I'm worried about the control at this point. And I think he might be hiding an injury because when the command is bad and the control is bad and those historically have been very good and the velocity is down – that tells me that something is wrong. Now you're right. It could be extraneous stuff. It could be you pitched in a blizzard. It could be it's April. And yeah, there is a, as I said, that caveat applies for this entire show, people. But it doesn't mean that we can't look and draw opinions and use what we have. And from what I've seen, I okay. am concerned about Jose Quintana. Okay, so obviously you're a lot more concerned than I am because I'm yeah. buying. Are you selling it for the Gintana owner? Because you you, you're saying foul right now. So stick by it and tell me what are I'm you not saying to? foul. I'm saying I'm concerned, and you said foul. No, this is fair or foul. So Yes, you're supposed to tell me if my statement was fair or foul. Okay, well, you tell me what your <laughs> statement was. Was it fair or foul? I think it's fair. I think it's fair to be concerned about Jose Quintana oh. right now. <laughs> All right. So, you're, so you're not. If you're the Quintana owner, you're not selling. It depends. It depends on what I'm getting. Like, for instance, okay, fine. I, I'll tell you right now. I would sell him for. I would have to think strongly about selling him for Lance McCullers. 
Oh, what? Come and Lance on. McCullers was going well behind him. That's a all right. That's a that's not a good that's not a good name to bring up. How about John Gray? What do you mean that's not a good name to bring no, up? No, because McCullers is K per nine is like the best in the league right now. He's up there. Well, he's also got an ERA over seven. Yeah, but that's gonna come down. Okay. <laughs> so wait, John Gray. No. Alex Wood, who's off to a very good start? No, because Alex Wood has the same velocity problems. Okay. Actually, is it worse? Okay. All right, let's move it to the next segment. Give me... Hey, Princess, did you find your notes? Yeah, I have to, I had to turn the page. My bad. All right, charge the mound. Give me a rant, Nick. All right. I'm going to start with Dansby, the Mansby, Swan tonight. I was way off. All right. <laughs> Dansby Swanson is the real deal. He looks awesome. And in case you didn't know this, he made a swing adjustment, people. And we love swing, we love swing changes on this podcast. So before I go any further, Pat, are you on board or off board with Dansby Swanson? Dansby Swanson. Okay. I'm sort of lukewarm, to be honest. Okay. I think he's very similar to what he was last year. I think last year he was a little unlucky. I think thus far this year he's had uh, the batted ball gods on his side. Okay. Well, yeah, the BABIP is definitely high, 100%. Um, but the OBP is really nice at 373. And uh, – he made some swing adjustments, like I said, in the offseason uh, with his foot and with his upper body, and they seem to be paying dividends. He actually did it in, for the second half of last season. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Dansby's. Uh, I think he's just an all-around just great baseball player. And at the plate, he looks – he's got a really nice balance swing that I think could turn into power one day. He doesn't strike out that much. He walks, and he makes good contact. Um, his career OBP in the minors was 355. And his first year up in the majors in 2016, 145 plate appearances. Uh, he had a 361 OBP that year, but a 302 average. And 145 is not that small a sample size. Um, last year, obviously, was a little bit of a struggle. A 232 average. He was up and down the entire season. But he did have two months where he hit 300 plus. Um, I really like the player. And he's working his way up the, up the lineup right now. Unfortunately, it's going to be really hard to top to get into the top three with NCRT, uh, Albies, and Freeman. They're all playing really good right now. Uh, but he, if Batista, which I, I, we're going to put him aside for now, I, I just think that Dansby's going to somehow work his way to either be the cleanup hitter or the five. Um, and when he gets there, he could produce a, a really nice amount of RBIs, and he could still score some runs. Uh, right now, he already has ten RBIs in sixty-seven plate appearances, which, which isn't too bad for the. Which has been the what seven eight hitter uh, most most games. Uh, yeah. I'm a I'm a big fan of his, and I think he we get a very similar situation to Scooter Jeanette, where we have a really smart, good contact hitter who could spray the ball all over the field, um, turn into a guy who could hit like close to 25 home runs. Not this season, close to 25 home runs, steal some bases, and hit for good average. Uh, I, I just think Dansby looks great this year, and I'm totally on board with him. Yeah, 
like I said, I mean, he he's a guy that was definitely was was probably looking at some of the luck shifting in his direction from last year. Um, the line drive percentage was pretty good. It's a little higher this year. Um, his hard, medium, soft mix is virtually the same. The walk rate's down. The K rate's flat. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, the, the difference is the BABIP at this point. Um, and the 429 is unlikely to keep up. And the 292 is probably worse than what he deserves, but um, it's a much more reasonable level. Um, I think he's definitely a better offensive prospect than what he showed last year. And I own shares in the deep dynasty, but I view him more as a sort of Josh Harrison, DJ LeMay, you like. Not a bad I, thing. No, it's not. It's not. It's just he's not reached that level yet. So you're talking about a, a middling ceiling on a player that hasn't reached those levels yet. So I, I think he's a tough buy. But let me tell you about Ian Kinsler. Kinsler returned from injury and in his first plate appearance hit a bomb. He hasn't swung and missed yet. He's hitting the ball hard. He's the leadoff hitter for a team with one of the better two, three, four combinations in the league, AKA they have Mike Trout. I highlight him because he was underrated during the pre-draft process. We spoke about it continuously. And I think there's a chance here Maybe the owner that had him because he opened the season on the DL has found a second baseman they like. Maybe they were the owner that spent up on Scott Kingery, who's going to have every positional eligibility known to man by the third week of, well, I was going to say of April, but it is the third week of April, the fourth week of April. Uh, or, team, or his teammate, Cesar Hernandez, who's off to a nice start. Or maybe they're head over heels about Joe Panic. Take a look. Maybe you can get Kinsler. Um, and I would be aggressive about him because I think he's going to score a whole mess of runs. I think he looks fantastic at the plate. He looks dialed in. I think that the move to Anaheim has rejuvenated him. And I, I think that you can still probably get him at a value compared to where he is now. And, you know, I mean, he was a value he was going in drafts so never mind that yeah i mean we were we were definitely on him without a doubt pre, uh spring training as probably bes besides i hate to admit it miguel cabrera the one of the best values uh in baseball you know miggy's just miggy's done um but i yeah. disagree but that's okay oh the his back issues already pat back issues he hit a bomb today no i did he i think he did for oh, sure. I don't know, but listen, I'm seeing you back the gas that. man deep, man. Everybody takes the gas man deep. Yeah, yeah, he didn't get the <laughs> gas man. But um, anyway, yeah. Uh, so Kinsler, uh, yeah, I'm totally on board with it. He's just been awesome, and every single year he produces. Um, 2017, although it was probably his worst year, uh, batting average wise at 236, he had a 244 BABIP. And he did play through injuries last season as well. So I definitely believe that he could turn into something which was more 2016, which is he'll be like mid-20s pop. 
uh, 10 plus deals, good average. And if he does that on this team, forget about it. Forget about it. He's going to be money, money, money in the bank. So yeah, and you're right. The guy that had him might've went and took Kingery or uh, some other second baseman. And you could go out and make a nice, easy trade for Kinsler right now. And I would definitely do that, especially if you're in need of runs, because he's going to provide that category in a big way. Yeah, and that's why it's important. And I made this point, I think, on our first show of um, after the start of the season, is that it's just important to kind of keep your eyes on everybody else's roster. Um, you know, you don't have to watch it as religiously as you, you watch your own. But it's important to see where people have access, because when people have access, they're just – I feel like it's always easier to make a trade for somebody that has extra pieces, you know? So, I mean, if they've got two really good second basemen, you can probably get Kinsler for a lesser value. You can definitely get Kinsler for a lesser value than somebody that absolutely needs Kinsler. And and that goes for any player. I agree. All right. So let's, uh, let's move it to the waiver wire segment. Nick, give me two infielders. One that is 50%. One that's owned less than 50% and one that is owned less than 25% in 12-team standard mixed leagues. All right. So I'm going to start off with Orlando Garcia, who is right now just 42% owned. Uh, you didn't seem too crazy about Garcia. I'm, I'm, I'd like to hear why. Uh, I think he's a very skilled hitter who can go possibly 2020 within the very, very near future. Uh, although playing time could be some trouble this year if certain guys play a little bit better, like, you know, VR. Uh, but I think right now the job is his for the most part. He And he could produce really well on a really good offense. I like him a lot. I'd like to hear why, but I'm going to talk over you. Go ahead. <laughs> Listen, I, I feel like the market was a little more excited than I was about Arcia. Uh, he struggled out of the gate this year. He's heavy on the ground balls, heavy on the soft contact. Um, small sample, so you can't worry too much about it. He is a capable bat and can be had for pretty much nothing in a standard mixer. I'm just not sure I see a lot special here. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think he's kind of – his upside is like, for this year anyway, is kind of like what Angelton Simmons did last year, which was good, but like not spectacular. And I'm not sure he's a lock for that sort of usable level of production. So I think there's a decent floor here as well. You know, there's um, VR has come out and hit pretty well to start the year. Um, That's a very crowded lineup in general when they're all healthy. I don't know how he gets up to the top of that lineup. Um, So I, I, I just don't think the run production is going to be there either. Um, all right. My next guy, Eduardo Escobar. Uh, I brought him up before as well, and you didn't seem too enthused about him as well. Was, or, or am I mistaken? No, you're mistaken. I had said that you know he was a guy that um, maybe if you were going to buy Andrews um, and stick him on your DL, maybe you could pick him up. Um, I think he's kind of he's, – he's got a lot of eligibility. He's sort of got that Johnny Peralta profile, you know, like, uh, you know, pace to like 20 homers, 
They'll kick in, you know, single-digit level of steals. And will hit about 260. Well, one is, I mean, I think, I think in a vacuum, I'd probably take Arcia over Escobar. But Escobar is 20% more available. So Escobar is more likely to be available. And I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm looking at one player and I think, I think RC is like a 260, 15, 15 guy. And I think Escobar is a 260, 20 homer, five steal guy. Like true talent, full-time playing time. Okay. So, I mean, it really comes down to what you need and what you're trying to replace. But Escobar also has three positions. He's got second, third, and short. So, um, at least in 10 games played formats. So, you can kind of move him around a little bit more. Or see, you have to stick in shorter MI. Uh, yeah, I think the rough, I don't even want to say I like Arcia better. I would say they're probably about equivalent. I think it's like a need thing. Mm. So what do you like about Escobar? I mean, you're the person that brought him up. Well, I think that there is room for him to make his way at some point to the top of the lineup. Um, his OBP has been poor so far this year. Uh, but if you look at the years past, he was pretty decent um, in smaller samples that he played with the twi- Twins in the past. But it's been pretty bad this year and last. Uh, if he could up that at all, he could definitely make his way to the top of the lineup. And the K rate is definitely inflated right now at 28%. That should come down to around 20, which is where it sat pretty much his entire major and minor league career. Um, I like Escobar as a guy that's just very, very – I mean, what was the percentage on him? It was, 23. Yeah, 23%. I think that should be higher, especially from this position. Um, a guy that could hit <clears> – <throat> at this position, 20 home runs from shortstop is uh, valuable, and he could possibly get you five-plus steals. So that's also an added bonus. Wait, and, the, and, the, and the batting average won't kill you. He'll probably be around 255 area. All right. My first guy is Christian Villanueva. This is going to be at 42%. This guy is just straight up letting it eat, in my opinion. I mean, he is just rearing back and swinging as hard as he can. Over 84 big league plate appearances dating back to last year. He's got 10 bombs. And it's coming with the big K percentage. It's at 32%. And, yes, he's had some BABIP luck. The BABIP's at 409. And that's despite a fly ball heavy profile. He's got 50% fly balls. But at this point, you need to ride the streak. This guy needs to be owned. He's obliterating the baseball to his pull side. You know, last week we spoke about Matt Davidson. I'm more confident that Matt Davidson is for real in Christian Villanueva. But Villanueva is hitting the ball with authority. He's hot. I would ride this out and see as long as it, see as far as he can take me. Um, I, I, I think that he's interesting enough that, yeah, maybe he could be something as well. Um, he is swinging more than Davidson. Um, I think Davidson's lineup is a little bit better than Villanueva's, but 
he he's interesting. He's definitely interesting, and I think he needs to be owned in more than forty two percent of leagues at this point. I think he's shown enough that you need to at least pick him up and see where it takes you. He is literally, literally Carlos Quinn. He is Carlos Quinn, the second coming of the great Carlos Quinn. Are we sure um, that Carlos Quinton didn't just change his name? <laughs> you know what? It's possible because they look <laughs> like, they look exactly alike. And they play the same. Oh man! Um, Don't let him anywhere near Zach Reinke. <laughs> yeah, seriously, but oh my god! Remember that? Wow! That yeah, good, good memory. Um, yeah. As far as Villanueva goes, so here's the thing: he's an interesting player. 2017 AAA. He had a 369 OBP in AAA. That's 454 plate appearances. Um, and he struck out just 18.3% of the time, and he walked 10% of the time. So there is some smart hitter in there somewhere. And if we could see that guy come out and pair himself with this power hitter that we've seen recently, we could have a special player. Um, but he's kind of all over the place. I just don't, you just don't know what to make of him because this is not in his repertoire. Uh, you know, 2018 Christian Villanueva, compare it to 2017 AAA, compare it even to 2015 in, in, in Cubs AAA. It's just a, not the same player that was coming up. Um, right now he's at a 421 OBP. He looks awesome. Pat, I told you about the Padres. This team is good, <laughs> damn it. Um, and when Myers comes back now, you've got Perella and oh Villanueva gosh. and Myers and Hosmer. And I'm missing someone. There's one guy I'm missing. Austin Hedges. And <laughs> Austin Hedges and his sub-100 batting average. I know. I think he had over one tonight, though. Um, but, yeah, I, I – He's, he's interesting. He's definitely a guy that 100% should be owned because he's crushed. And he's not just hitting home runs. He is hitting them far, far and out of the stadium. Uh, so he's really interesting. I'll keep, I would definitely keep my eye on him right now if he's on your waiver wire. Okay, my second guy is a Nick favorite from the pre-draft process, Logan Morrison at 22%. Mm. People are bailing pretty quickly on this guy. And – I can understand it. Uh, last year looks like an outlier, but if you need the power, I still think he's a nice stash because I think it's going to come around. Um, the big issue with this profile currently is that he's popping up quite a bit, which is why the BABIP is close to sub-zero. Um, he's never had serious pop-up problems in the past, um, and he's kept the fly balls from last year. I think he's just missing a bit. and. I think a power surge is around the corner. Um, so I wouldn't mind grabbing him and stashing him on my bench. And once you see the power start to come, starting to play him a little more often. Yeah, I agree. And it's not like he's striking out a ton. Um, he's still walking. He's still getting on base. Um, I mean, the OBP is 209, but he's walking 11.6. Yeah, but his average is like – 0.06. I know. It's really bad. <laughs> it's really but, bad. But I totally agree with you. Uh, uh, he hit 38 home runs last year, and he batted 246. So I'm on it with you. And when he does, when he does start hitting again, he's going to be in the meat of that lineup. And that lineup's not that bad at the moment. No, it's really not. And, I mean, it's not like that division is 
well known for its pitching either. I mean, he's going to see a lot of bad pitching. Yeah. All right. Give me your outfield tandem. Oh, my outfield tandem. Jose Perella, who, oh my God. I'll get into him in a second. 48% and Randall Greenchuk, 5%. Let's start with Perella. I'm not going to say anything. Pat, I was the Perella guy. Tell me what you think so far. I mean, you, you've got to be impressed with the bat, the ball skills. Um, the guy looks like a very, very good hitter. He's got a very good feel for hitting. You can tell that. Um, I wish that he was a little more patient at the dish. He is a little bit of a free swinger. Um, but I can absolutely buy him um, as what we discussed, which is, you know, like a 275, 280 hitter with like 2010 capabilities. Mm-hmm. And right now he's hitting at the top of that lineup. Um, the one thing that does concern me is, is that, um, you know, Cordero is up now and he's flashed a little bit and Margot is coming back and they've seemed reluctant to put Perella at second base. Um, and I haven't looked at his defensive metrics, but I would imagine it's probably because he's not very good at second base defensively. Um, so I'm just a little worried about where that leaves Perella when Margot gets him back. Now, I mean, Renfro could be the odd man out, or they could just send Cordero back down. Cordero's only hitting 215 now. Um, but, you know, he's shown some power and he's shown some speed, and he's given that offense a little bit of um, oomph since Margot has been out. So... I mean, playing time concerns aside, yeah, I mean, he's looked really good. I mean, we we both got on board with you, Joe and I, um, you know, when we discussed him. But, yeah, you were definitely the guy that was driving the, uh, driving the boat. And he's – I think that, you know, he's looked pretty good and your analysis on him was pretty spot on. Uh, yeah, and then so yeah, Perella. I'm not gonna speak much about him. You pretty much summed it all up. But um, one thing you could expect from him, I think the OBP is gonna go up. Right now, it's only a 3.22. It's because he's only walking 3.4 percent of the time. He's a little bit more of a patient hitter than that. Expect that walk rate to go up to like in the eight-ish area. I think the OBP will be up around like 3.40 in no time. Also, the power will come. Right now, he has zero home runs and 87 plate appearances. Uh, that's gonna come as well as steals. Um, he's gonna get a lot of at bats batting lead up on that on that on that uh, team. Right now he has twelve runs scored as well. That's not too shabby. Um Randall Greechuk. Let's talk about Randall Greechuk, who I really wish Joe was here right now because that was his boy <laughs> going into the year. He had him ranked so high, people, you have no idea. I believe he might have even said he had him like top thirty five ish. Yes, I think All that's right. accurate. So I wasn't nearly that close, and I actually used to like Grichuk a lot. I was um, the middleman, but I was very aggressive too. So as of right now, um, the K rate is way up. Um, he's not getting on base. He's not making good contact. 
he is well, wait uh, wait he's not making good contact well is he is compared he, to years past he's right now he's at 31.3 percent hard contact rate i'm talking about hard contact um okay well that's that has shifted markedly in the last few days okay because i can tell you he was up over 40 percent like three days ago where is he batting in the lineup though that's the well, now he's hitting down in the lineup and there are playing time concerns. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there are issues here. So my question to you is, and I would, I wish Joe was here to ask this. He's not. Is he rosterable right now at 5%? And he's batting. He went 0 for 4 tonight. Again, he's batting 0. .094. I was thinking about it um, in our – 12-team mixer, which is a a mixed league with deep benches. I was sort of going back and forth on whether or not I should add him um, because his sort of profile of, you know, that sort of like power-speed combo is like that like 30-10 sort of potential is is what I could use. and I liked him, you know, like I said, three weeks ago. So, I mean, I should like him now. I shouldn't let a bad start completely sour uh, my opinion on a player. Here's where my issue comes in. Uh, Granderson has hit. Pierce has hit. PR is going nowhere. And Hernandez is up now. And Hernandez is hitting second and hitting. So... Where is Grichuk getting his playing time? Um, you know, in the long term. And even if he is getting the playing time, he needs to start hitting before long. And you mentioned just now, he's 0 for 4 today. Um, he He's on a short leash right now. So um, if you want to take the shot that you get lightning in a bottle, uh, I'm okay with it. I was considering it myself, but you just need to be aware that uh, the leash is like, you know, super short at this point. Like he's very close to being pretty much irrelevant, um, you know, and being on the bench multiple times a week. So that's a reality that you have to deal with. Um you know, long-term, if I knew he had the playing time, I would feel comfortable saying he's going to bounce back. Um, I don't know that he's going to get the opportunity to bounce back. That's my concern with Grichuk. Okay, my two outfielders. My first guy, Malik Smith, just over that 25% threshold at 26%. And we've been waiting a long time for Malik Smith to get a opportunity like this. And with the Kiermaier injury, he finally has it. He's going to get a nice long look. And what we've seen thus far has been pretty promising. Um, you know, small sample caveats, of course, but he's making good contact. Um, it's at a high rate, and he's cut a swing and miss. If he can keep the strikeout rate around 15%, he's currently around 10 he's really going to be valuable. But even if he reverts, even if he's like a 20% strikeout guy, he's no worse than a poor man's Billy Hamilton, and he's basically free. Yeah, Nick, you have anything to add? 
Yeah, I'm not as excited as Malik Smith as most. Um, I just feel like he kind of, yeah, he'll steal bases for you. He doesn't really have much pop. The batting average will be kind of up and down, probably better, though, than Billy Hamilton's. Um, and he'll definitely – you know where he's been batting in the lineup as of late? I do not, but let me look it up. One second, I'll see where he batted today. Let's see. So I think he's been – He's hitting um, seventh. Yeah. So if my point is if he could work his way to a regular spot at the top of that lineup and get the plate appearances. He absolutely could if you look at this lineup. Like yeah, lineup well, yeah, I know the, the lineup is, <laughs> is ridiculous. Um, you know, Carlos Gomez is just atrocious right now. Um, so they should definitely make a move there. But, um, yeah, no, I, listen, I don't mind it. I just don't see that – I don't see him being that much uh, – more exciting than Delano De Shields. I'd rather have De Shields. I think both players are kind of similar. Yeah, well, right but De Shields is hurt. No, De Shields is out another like two or three weeks. Well, no, he's he's coming back this weekend. Oh, okay. And then he moved. That schedule moved up quite a bit. Then. Yeah, he's rehabbing. To uh, he's playing in a rehab game Thursday, Friday, and they should he should be activated over the weekend. Okay. Well, there's some news for you that I didn't catch. Who's the next guy? Okay, Matt Kemp. 22%. I said it when we spoke on opening day. Kemp looks like a player that the Dodgers want to keep in the lineup. Uh, that has borne itself out. He looks slimmed down. The quality of the contact has been good. Swing and miss is a little up, but that could be small sample noise. And maybe trying to do a little too much in a struggling lineup. He's really the only guy on that team that's hitting. Um, but Kem could be like a 275, 25, 30 homer guy. In a lineup that should improve. I mean, Corey Seager hasn't done anything. Uh, Chris Taylor's been mostly cold. Justin Turner's been out. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of pieces in that lineup that have struggled or have done nothing. And if Kemp is like a 275 type with that kind of power production, the numbers are going to come. Puig hasn't really done anything either. Puig has been bad too. So, I mean, there are a lot of pieces in that lineup that haven't done what they're supposed to do. If Kemp is the player he's been, you know, I mean, even in Atlanta, he's going to have a very, very nice year if he's going to receive close to full-time playing time, which it appears that he is. Grandal has been good. Um, yeah, and Corey Sega, Jesus, we were so right about that. He does not look good. Um but yeah, listen. I'm a, I'm a, I was always a huge fan of Kemp's. I liked him last year. I liked him the year before, and I got a lot of flack for it. I had him pretty pretty high in my rankings, but I just thought he looked so good in Atlanta uh, while he was there that you know I liked him last year going into last year. But uh, he was hurt, and now back home in 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 uh, L.A., he looks comfortable in the lineup. He's the cleanup guy on a really really good lineup. So if he holds it together. I mean, listen, right now, the, obviously, the OBP at 3, that's going to come down. The batting average, he's at a 444 bat, that the average will come down. But like you said, your projections are pretty spot on with mine, where he's like a guy that could go 25 plus and hit around 275. But that's going to come with really nice counting stats, good RBI totals, good run totals. And he probably could still steal, could still steal you some bases. I don't think that's completely out of his game. He does look slim. He does look like he's in shape. So maybe as the season rolls around, we see him swipe more bags, and that'll just be an added bonus. But he's definitely on my list of guys I'm watching. I've always been a fan of Kemp's. Okay, let's move to the pitchers. 
Who you got? Oh, my God. Hyunjin Ryu. Pat, who is the Ryu guy? Um, Come on. I don't know. What's the Who's the guy that invented Street Fighter? Give me the credit that I deserve. Uh, what do you mean? Like, fine. Okay, Nick. You called it on Hyunjin Ryu as being, you know, a capable major league starter. No, listen, I owned him all. <laughs> I've owned him last year. Um, the stuff has always been there. He's been in and out of lineup over the over in 2016. He was kind of up and down. Um, he had some injuries, but since he's been up, he's been really good. The K per nine has been strong. He hasn't been walking too many guys. The ERA was good, and last year it turned into like a, turned into a quietly good season. 3.77 ERA, 8.24 K per nine, 3.20 walks per nine. Uh, and he threw 126 innings, which is good for a guy who was uh, injured for a lot of the 2016 season. So he came back and he looked good. This year, he looks even better. 10.91K per nine. He's throwing straight fire right now. 2.87 ERA. Um, yes, there is a little bit of luck in the profile, but I don't see him regressing that much. I do think the ERA will hover around three, similar to last year, like 3.7-ish. Uh, but it's going to come with a good, solid K and walk total. Um, I like him a lot. And he's a guy that I think is one of those guys where, like Todd Frazier, <clears throat> he could have an amazing April and an amazing May, but the, the value still won't go up that high. So he's attainable. Go out and try and get him. And if you own him, hold tight. He's going he's gonna to be serviceable this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he was a little um, underrated pre-draft, um, sort of flew under the radar, I think maybe because he was sort of in and out of the lineup last year. Um, you know, I, I know he was pretty good when he was pitching last year, but I mean, I think last year was the first time that he had pitched a substantial amount in about two years. Um, he's always been pretty productive, you know, when he's pitched at the major league level. And I don't really see a reason to expect him not to be, you know, a capable back end potential fantasy arm um, that you probably got for zero cost. I do agree with you, though, that like he's. He's just not the type of player that's going to attack, uh, attract any sort of return in a trade. I just think he's a guy that you just hold and you let him stabilize the back of your rotation um, because you're going to be able to start him in most instances. I mean, you won't roll him out in cores, but um, he's got a pretty good home park. Um, you know, with Chase having the humidor, there's not really a lineup there that scares you in that division all that much other than Colorado in Colorado. Um, so you roll them out there on, on most days and he'll give you a pretty solid start. Um, you know, I, I do think the ownership is a little low. And who's your second guy? Uh, my second guy is my, the love of my life, Andrew Haney. He's back. And when he is healthy, you have to own him. He's like Gronkowski. Like, when he is on the oh field. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, when he's on the field, he is money. Oh, 
my god. Uh, all right. So Gronk, Gronk was a bad. Yeah, yeah, Gronk is a little. That's a little rich. It's a little rich. Uh, who's another injury-prone NFL player that's like that guy? Like when he when he plays, you gotta start him. I don't, there's, I don't there's, know. there's someone in particular, right? The, I can't think of who it is. Damn it. Uh, Alf John Jeffrey? No. No. All right. Anyway, let's move on from NFL. <laughs> um, yeah, listen. Bottom line is this. Uh, Haney's K per nine upside is um, north of 11 per nine, uh, which is puts him in a class of its own. And he has good control. He has good command. And that's so it's going to come with really good ratios, really good uh, K to walk ratios. Um, the only thing you have to worry about <clears throat> is the long ball. If you could, if if you're, it's really a team comp ownership type of thing too. If you could spare the ERA, uh, but you need the Ks, he's definitely a guy you want to go after. Uh, but re- I think honestly, regardless in any format, while he's healthy, you want to own him. Uh, last the last start he pitched, he looked great. Uh, he gave up a couple of runs, but. The the K's and walks were strong. I own him in any every league I'm in. I'm only in one, uh, and he's gonna be he's gonna be awesome. I just love him as long as he's healthy. Stuff is filthy. Yeah, I don't agree with the K upside. What um, you think? They could, do you think he can K eleven per nine? Yeah, he's done it. Like of course of like a full season. Well, I mean. 2016 and 2017 combined, combine those t- 20 innings in those two years, and it's been in that area. The stuff is so good. No, see, I, I think that like he's like his best case is, um, like Jeff Samorja from last year. That's really good without the innings. Hmm. Um, because you can't trust him to stay healthy. And, yeah, that is good. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with what Justin Marshall gave you last year. All right, so if you're guaranteed 130 innings going forward from Haney, is he on your roster? Yeah, I think he's I think he's a top 70 starting pitcher at at that level. Okay. That's good then. So you like him. Yeah, I do. I, I do like him generally. I just, I'm my upside for him is much different than yours. Okay, it's much lower. Um, in part because of the injuries, in part because I don't think the keys are as high as as you as you do. All right, my first starting pitcher, Nick Pavetta, forty percent. Pavetta has tantalizing stuff. He's got velo, movement on the fastball, uh, and a nasty pair of breaking balls. Um, for Pavetta, it's been about finding his way out of minus command and minus control. And through his uh, starts this year, he's shown better in both categories, especially on the control front. I think he could end up falling into the Michael Pineda zone where the command becomes an issue inside the zone. Um, but that's fine in the NL as long as the walks stay down. And if that's the downside, that's worthwhile. Um, and I was especially encouraged about his performance last night. Yeah. Because he didn't have his best stuff. And a lot of times pitchers um, like Pavetta 
struggle when they do not have their best stuff. And it's really about learning. Taking that next step is as much about your dominating starts as it is about voiding the blowups. And I felt like last night he really managed to bulldog his way through a start where he didn't have his best stuff um, and avoided a blowup. And I think that's a major um, sign that he's really learning how to pitch at the major league level. Um, I'm very encouraged. I, I think he's a worthwhile add almost across the board. Yeah, I agree. I, I watched the start last night. We both had guys in that game. I had Faulty. You had Pavetta. Um, and I actually thought they kind of looked a little bit similar. Uh, a little bit. You know, they, throw, they both throw the high heat and both have pretty nasty breaking balls. But what I really like about Pavetta is the difference between him and Faulty uh, is that Pavetta goes 95 and then drops it down to 78 with that curve, which is just devastating. And the curve has a lot of break. Uh, so he's going to keep hitters guessing. Um, he also has a, a nice pitch mix. He throws a slider as well, um, which so far this year has been really good for him. Uh, he's a 143 batting average against. So it's good that he has you know two really good breaking pitches to go along with a 95-mile-per-hour fastball. If he could harness his command and show improvements and make, to make some gains, um, he could be special. Uh, I kind of feel the same way about Faulty as well. Uh, I think you're a little bit less interested in Faulty than I am, but they're both kind of similar pitchers. So I'm just bringing them up because they played each other last night. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, I, I, I like Pavetta better. Um, I think Fulte's got, you know, I mentioned the issues with Pavetta's command and control and it, it being subpar. I think when I watch Fultonevich pitch, I think he's got even less command. He does. Um, so, I mean, to me, that's a major um, red flag when you're talking about really poor command. And it seems to be something that the Braves kind of aren't yeah. concerned with in their Well, pitchers. and it's more so the control, too, with, with Fulte. It's and more the control. Of, they're kind of – they're sort of chasing arm talent, or it seems as though their philosophy has been to chase arm talent. Um, and – let the command figure itself out. Yeah. Um, and I just think Pavetta is a little further along in that. And I like his secondary stuff better. Okay. So, um, but I do think Fulton image is, is a worthwhile ad as well. Um, okay. And my second picture is Tyson Ross readily available, only owned in 5% of leagues. Um, the ground ball rates come back. The control has looked okay. And the swings and misses have started to rebound. Ross is looking like a pitcher that's finding his way through the thoracic outlet syndrome, um, you know, aftermath. Um, he had it, and he was incredibly poor last year in his return. Um, I, I almost feel like he should be owned closer to about 35% in standard mixers. Wow. Um, if he can keep throwing the slider with this effectiveness – um, he'll be around eight Ks per nine, that plus a ground ball rate of 50 plus percent, plus being in Petco Park in the NL. I think he's going to end up being a mixed league asset. I really do. You have loved Tyson Ross since forever. I, I do. I, I do. Uh, You've always been a Ross guy. I do have a history of really liking Tyson Ross. 
and, and and just the Ross family. I also happen to have an affinity for Joe Ross as well. Yeah, I don't know why. Um, yeah, but as far as Tyson Ross goes, uh, you know, I can't buy into it yet. To me, he's just not uh, he's not in the circle of trust. I got to give him a couple of more weeks because he's a type of guy I feel like if I pick him up, he's going to give up nine runs that game, then it's all downhill from there. He hasn't really pitched since 2015, like on a regular basis, so – uh, we got we to gotta give him a couple of more innings to see how he goes. The thoracic thing is just, it's like the worst injury. It's worse than Tommy John by far. Like, it's not even close. It's like the worst injury in baseball. So uh, we got to see him work his way back from that a little bit more. So I let him back in the circle. Okay, well, that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, we will be back next week. We will see if Joe can return, um, if we can drag him out of his deep, dark depression from morning Elvis Andrus. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Patrick FWO. Nick, where can they find you? You can find me at Nick FWO. Okay, thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back next week. See you later, guys. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase.